0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Transatlanticist podcast at the America Centrum in Hamburg. I'm your host, Andrew Solo. today to talk about a number of issues related to the coronavirus and the vaccination rollout, and also some of the economic consequences of the coronavirus for Europe, is our EU expert, Dr. Gunther Donner. Welcome, Gunther. Okay, so for our talking points today, we have a number of issues to discuss. First, the difficulties in Europe with the vaccination. Secondly, we want to address some of the economic consequences, and specifically, if it's better economically to have a shutdown of the economy or not. Third, we want to look at the coronavirus and the future of the EU's welfare state system. And we'll end with a short preview of the German elections in September. So I just want to kick it off with some statistics about the vaccination progress. This is from today. We're recording on the 6th of April. And what we see here for European-wide, so including Britain, the percentage of people in each country who have received at least one vaccine dose is led by Britain, which obviously is no longer in the EU, but at 46.5%. Within the EU, number one is Malta, with 35.4%. In last place, we have Bulgaria at a mere 5.87%, but you'll be shocked to hear maybe that the Netherlands is third from bottom at 9.8%, Sweden at 11.5%, and Germany at only 11.98% as of April 2nd, so that probably went up a little bit EU-wide, however, it's only 12.79%. So, uh, Gunther, what do these vaccine numbers tell us when the EU average is 12.79% but Britain is at 46.52%?
1: Well, first and foremost, I should say that um, it reveals a big difference in strategic approach. So it should be probably kept apart a bit from the overall management of the, of the individual government in question, of the whole pan- crisis uh, in relation with the COVID pandemic, we know very well from, I mean, the facts show it, that uh, the United Kingdom was really in dire straits uh, with COVID, with reference to strains put on the NHS, with uh, numbers of, of, of severely ill people. Uh, requiring uh, uh, inpatient treatment at intensive care units, and as well, uh, uh, one has to say, with the death ratio, um, all that was very high. So at a certain moment of time, the, the, the government turned around. There's, there have been many turnarounds with the, by the, John, the Johnson government and concentrated on partly lockdown and vaccination at all costs. Um, so they launched an aggressive campaign for, uh, for uh, to increase the number of at least one-time vaccinated people. Whereas in Europe, there was no coherent strategy discernible. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you of any. EU summits on these issues normally resulted in rather, I should say, rather helplessly uh, glossed over friction
0: so they then they never reached much common common ground um, Gunther we've talked a lot about the systemic challenges of the EU that is getting all of these different countries to agree on anything-hmm and and so should we really be surprised by what you called the helplessness of the EU together in dealing with this crisis uh, um what what surprises me and surprised me
1: when it started was the fact that knowing about too, all too well about the weak the inherent weaknesses of the EU as a system, especially a system expected to perform rather abrupt decision making that is complete, completely alien to them. They have no idea how to put that into practice. the The normal decision making process in Europe takes years. And uh, um, so they were. On, on the one hand, they were at a loss. On the other, they f- they felt compelled to ar- to arrive at a common whatever they call it a common solution or strategy, so as not to abandon the the momentum and the idea of the European superstate in inverted commas in a moment of that magnitude. Uh, I think that they, they had very little chance to to get away uh, with a positive with a positive effect on on on, uh,
0: on analysts.
1: Whatever they uh, might have done
0: would have led to criticism. Uh,
1: so uh, What
0: I, I might suggest the Joe Biden trick, which was to have low expectations and then exceed them. And when I look at Biden's campaign, People really aren't even questioning him that much about his handling of the vaccine rollout because he underpromised and overdelivered. He said a hundred vaccine I'm sorry, a hundred million vaccine doses in the first hundred days, knowing quite well that he would totally smash those numbers. And it seems like one of the issues for me that um Ursula von der Leyen had is she couldn't quite set a narrative of success. Uh,
1: Well, there are a few, uh, to to my reading, there are a few quite remarkable differences. When the catastrophic uh, disease management of the Trump administration ended with the uh, last day of this gentleman in office, uh, and Biden took over, he and his team were well prepared, and they had a very simple strategy from the onset. They would listen to scientific expertise, what Trump never did. He had scientists to pay lip service to his crude ideas and convictions. But the Biden administration took a very clever path. They listened to uh, expertise. The expertise was there. The expertise was deeply related with the provisions done during the Trump years. I mean, uh, the idea, the, the warp speed management as In itself was remarkable something you could never see in Europe what was done with it the idea how the crisis was interpreted under the during the Trump administration was a disaster that was clearly a different story but the American effectiveness and efficiency was always shining through so when Biden took over he decided to listen to the experts to concentrate on this issue leaving other issues at present discussed in America to um, to satiety uh, leaving those aside and he concentrated on the issue we have to come to grips with this uh, historic challenge of the pandemic he concentrated on it, on, it, on it and he made use of his enormous power there is no political figure apart
0: from the president of France who has he did all these things and he managed expectations so he could exceed them and what I haven't heard either from von der Leyen, and that's why she's being so criticized, but also from national leaders throughout the EU is some way of defining success and how they've dealt with this, or how they're going to deal with this. Frau von der Leyen just lacks the power
1: to do so. If she were to define success in terms of per capita percentage quotas of vaccinated people within a given period of time, she would illegally interfere with the sovereign member state's right to set and define its own priorities in healthcare and disease protection. She could only give advice. She couldn't even have ordered uh, uh, vaccines on her own. She, for, for that, she needed a confirmation and, uh, uh, well and, and an order, so to speak, by the member states we do it jointly via the commission the the commission power-wise cannot be compared to the us president this is one difference the, the other is that from the onset brussels had to 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 reset its strategic approach to healthcare crises that is normally endless debates endless debates for years have we been discussing medicinal products a directive I think it took about nine years till it was finally passed. A quick decision with severe, unnoticeable um, uh, effects, anybody, any European from the Danube Delta up to the Polar Circle would in the end uh, take note of, uh, is not their cup of tea, to put it in a British fashion. So what they did was, it was a compromise. It was a compromise of a doing nothing that was out of the question, and doing anything comparable to what Biden and his administration have until now carried out to perfection in America. That was that was out out of out completely out of their legal scope of power.
0: Uh, and right. you see, and and Biden for and we have talked about this before in private, but one of the. Th- powers that Biden has that von der Leyen, for example, does not have, and I don't even think Merkel has it as the chancellor of Germany, is a so-called defense production act where you can essentially strong arm companies to produce what you want them to produce because of a national emergency. So you can really you know, start twisting arms as the U.S. president in ways that von der Leyen cannot do and also, presumably, that someone like uh, Chancellor Merkel can't do.
1: So, let me just add, I mean, you are the American, I'm the European. Let me just ask, it's with growing desperation, especially for the future acceptance of the EU model, to which I still see no alternative in Europe. Mm, And with this growing uh, preoccupation, I personally have given this rather lame performance a thing like the Defense Production Act needs explanation for, for, for Europeans because no state in Europe could ever dream of having such a thing. You introduced it in 1950 during the Korean War and uh, the idea of directing industrial production for a single rather sharply defined government purpose is absolutely alien to EU politics Policy making of exchange, trade, and uh, uh, to give and to receive. Um, that is exactly what one of the causes. You don't export any vaccines now, and rightfully so, you don't do it. Even the Canadians, now they may get something, used to buy their, their vaccines on the, on the EU market and got it from Belgium. You used it for American purposes, that was very successful now for the europeans and there has been a very vigorous discussion among member states shouldn't they ban exports of vaccines produced say of, of, of pfizer vaccines produced in belgium why don't they forbid exportation of such stuff it's, it's that that's that's too easy apart from what you do in america uh where you have the whole product made on your territory the EU pharmaceutical industry is a multinational business so upstream products would come from China from Taiwan from wherever from Korea and until the 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 product is complete that means ready for use you need the vaccine you need the cannulas you need the little bottles you need the syringes you need whatever all this is a give-and-take and all this is based on international trade. We are, absol- we, we are, we are in no way able to, to replace this from one day to the other with EU-made products. A year or so ago, we had a, a dramatic deficit for protective equipment mm-hmm. imported from China. I mean, even the blocked Suez Canal could, might put paid <laughs> for weeks and you wait weeks longer for your deliveries and and that would cripple the production the chain of how to produce this until ready for use on the consumer so uh, this is not uh, I'm, I'm I'm not saying this in order to defend the eu weaknesses which are clear evident and inherent it 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 merits, uh, um it's a relative approach so the idea of dramatically posing as a politician and saying, well, then we ban all exports and the problem is solved. This is nonsense. This is an empty promise. It might help for a week or two and then it might even get worse. So you have to continue a very, rather slow, but uh, still uphill uh, uh, march. I mean, why is it the different quotas of vaccination? Clearly, it stands to reason that a, a country as small and as regionally limited as Malta just needs a few doses and you can vaccinate the population. They would, of course, gladly accept it. You have no campaign, you have no opposition parties being against it. The general discussion on on the island of Malta, whether or not to open the economy or to close it, is probably less Serious than we have it in Germany or we have it in in France. Let me add one last remark. I mean, what Biden and his administration have hitherto shown as a success is impressive. But don't forget, even he and his next-to-almighty administration is absolutely helpless when you start having your football events with 30,000 spectators again, less than 10% wearing masks. Because one governor, still challenging the idea of the Trump administration, uh, thinks this fit to do.
0: And this is indeed one similarity between the U.S. federalized system and the German system, of course. Although someone like Governor DeSantis of Florida is much more rebellious against Biden than, for example, is it Herr Laschet or Herr um, Söder in Bavaria are against uh, Frau Merkel. None, none of
1: these uh, people, not even, especially uh, not those now changing the, uh elect, the voting rights at a, a regional level, uh, could ever run for political office in, in in Germany or France.
0: Okay, and I actually want to stop you there because you know we've spent four years with various critiques of the way the U.S. does things, so it's a little bit of payback now. <laughs> yes, I do, and I do want to right so, I have. I, to I want to talk about the fact that. It seems that no one in Europe, no politician in Europe, will pay a political price for their mishandling of, for example, the vaccination rollout. Everyone can blame, for example, the EU Commission, and apparently von der Leyen is willing to take take some arrows um, for the team. But it's not like you're going to get resignations of senior ministers for this problem. And so it, it seems like there are no political consequences as of yet.
1: Well, um, there is a simple explanation for this. We have, many European countries have coalition governments. But in this case, and with talking about the COVID pandemic, the common denominator of consensus is much, much vaster, much larger than the, uh, the governing coalition. So if you take the German example, you have a coalition of a conservative and a social democrat socialist party. Yeah, you have a green opposition, you have an extreme right opposition and a liberal opposition, which is very small. What you see is just with the exception of the extreme right, uh, the extreme right merits a closer look during the whole pandemic because it's altered course and condition very significantly it's become it's been radicalized it's been irrationalized even more so than it was (laughs) much more so much more so and they started with criticizing the euro system uh, and now they are uh, together with people at least some uh, but those are gaining influence they are together with people who call into question the legitimacy of the of the german state Hmm. Uh, Which is absurd, historically speaking. But uh, they are there not to give solutions. And that makes it so easy for them. The extreme right gives no solutions. The the extreme right will deliver culprits, scapegoats, uh, and uh, propaganda uh, based on uh, fake news or whatever.
0: Well, it's easier to criticize than offer solutions. It is. And their
1: strategy is to avoid offering solutions. What they wish is, they wish to benefit from as much public discontent as possible. Because that serves them well and uh, saves them from the rather dangerous moment where they would have to put strategies down on the table for scrutiny. Then they would be finished. Uh, there is no, there is no, it doesn't make any sense.
0: Right. I, I think, I think that's clear, but I do want to go back to the point that no politician will have to fall on his or her sword for this, including someone like the health minister of Germany, Herr Spahn. <sighs> but I don't think, you know, you're, again, from my American perspective, if I were still in the United States, I would have been vaccinated months ago. Yes sadly i'm not no, no doubt and i will be waiting many more months and at least again going back to the idea of politicians creating a narrative of success no one seems to have done that there's no sense of optimism or hope that we're going to get out of this in europe indeed everyone's going back into curfews and extreme lockdowns and and actually there's no sense that this this pandemic is being conquered. And yet the political class, and indeed health ministers, whomever you would let, choose to blame, seem to sail over it, either blaming other people or just saying, oh, well, we all have to be patient. Um, as far as Germany is concerned, I mean, there is a certain difference
1: that, uh, that stems from the uh, constitutional construction of power uh, and competence I want to see heads roll, Gunter you want to see heads roll you won 't <laughs> uh, you might see uh, people slowly but surely understanding that their career might be doomed that that far I might go uh, I think seeing heads roll is not the proper answer for this pandemic i mean
0: figuratively
1: yes, so. I know, but what we what we have to see is Lessons learned, and that is far more because this won't be the last pandemic. Maybe the last of my or your lifetime, but it, clearly not the last for, you, for 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 mankind. And uh, a final judgment of how uh, the the political uh, arm of society uh, has fi- has managed this enormous challenge uh, should reasonably be given at a later date we now know that what went wrong again i'm not a great admirer of the present acting federal health minister but i know very well about the limitations of his power it is not within his power as it is not within the power of joe biden to stop georgia from passing a law that would have fit in the germany of the 30s or to uh, to stop governors from opening businesses as if the pandemic
0: had been broken um, he not Well, someone has to be responsible for the vaccination botch up job. And I do want to hit on the AstraZeneca point again. Yes. So how do we get to this, this situation where the EU puts most of its eggs in the AstraZeneca basket and that seems to be, uh, either a weak basket or some weak eggs. I don't know how that metaphor continues, but it's probably, I, I, I just, I just, I just, And I actually am teaching a a course focusing on the ethics of pandemics at my uh, technical university right now. And I was really annoyed a couple of weeks ago when there was the discovery of some blood clots, Mm -hmm. a small handful out of millions and millions Mm -hmm. and millions of vaccines given. And all of these various European countries chose to delay giving the AstraZeneca Mm -hmm. vaccine until they figured this out. But we knew that the vaccine had been studied at great depth, and it had been given to tens and tens of millions of people, and there were maybe a handful of people who had bad side effects, which is tragic and horrible and wrong. But my point to my students was this. Imagine if you are in a tall building that's on fire, and the fire is slowly moving up the building, and the fire department comes, the state-run fire department with their state-run gear, and they call up to you and say, uh, we'd love to save you from this burning building, but we have a 1 in a 100 chance that our ladders will break. So until we figure out this technical problem, we just hope we put out the fire because these ladders are not approved for use and you might actually fall off as we're trying to rescue you. It's like, at a certain point, you have to say, I'm going to take the risk and climb down this ladder. Thank you, state. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to force people to do it. People can be given information. A doctor can explain, you know, you might get a blood clot. One out of 10 million people do. But to say no one can get it as the building is burning seems to be, to my mind, an extremely wrong response. Um, More people are dying every day because of these delays.
1: Well, uh, you're partly correct. And if you look at the UK, the UK, I think, uh, um, reported roughly about between 30 and 40 cases. And millions of Brits have been vaccinated with exactly AstraZeneca. But, um, so they are clearly did it in a different fashion. But uh, what was so remarkable here, and I think that's a conglomerate of, of responsibility A. AstraZeneca had uh, a difficult start. It came with a phase three study where uh, the um, quota of elderly patients was insufficient. For that, they were, by bureaucracies in, 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 in Europe, considered well this should be handled with caution because there are no data there. Don't forget under normal circumstances this would have taken years for a vaccine to be scrutinized until uh, it's declared ready for use. Uh, So this was all done at by comparison lightning speed. That said this uh, enhanced public doubts probably, public fears and governmental uneasiness about what might happen if. The thing was, we need a vaccine. Is it a good one? We will find out. That is one point. The other is, when the crisis started and the first countries to, to stop using this project were Denmark, among others, Denmark, Norway, and Austria. And that started a discussion at all levels from German Authorities to the EMA authorities responsible for the EU.
0: But EMA is the European Medical Agency, yes,
1: indeed. And so they then declared, after a scrutiny of about two and a half days, or what is that in terms of of, of data analysis? uh, They declared it fit for use. No one or whatever a minority vote uh, that I've read today uh, is moving away from this and uh, seeing. Or admit, um, ad, um, admitting that there might be a, a connection between uh, blood clots and the use of this vaccine, so this to and fro, this in and out, has greatly damaged the the image of this. Therapeutical
0: but, credit. But no one could besmirch the impeccable nature of the bureaucratic process, and that's the most important thing. Is I think dictator. you are
1: exactly right. We are, oh, and, and that refers to Germany. Germany clearly is over bureaucra, uh, is overstaffed with bureaucrats. And simple Shall we just take
0: a moment to pause so yeah. I can just discuss my trials and travails with okay. getting my German driver's license? No, that's a joke. I've already no. talked about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, bureaucracy here has replaced political decision-making. And so we, which we would like to base all decision-making... Uh, on the basis of, of an untenable of an un, of, of an untenable magnitude of of, of uh, uh, safety features, uh, nobody has courage to make a decision, left or right, A or B. Uh, that is part of our new zeitgeist culture, I should say. Uh, a and B is black and white. Uh, we can't do. Are you anymore. saying
0: there was an age when uh, European bureaucrats were more flexible? No, it's far more,
1: far more, far more decision oriented. I'd go back in German history, and it's certainly not the nicest period, periods of German history when this would have been done with a compulsory vaccination program and carried out within a month, probably. Uh, even the German Democratic Republic had compulsory vaccination programs for whatever disease, and they never left the country. Hmm. Uh, so the, the back in German history. There was the state was highly influential and easily capable of telling people you are vaccinated tomorrow or you go to jail. Uh, so all this was abandoned, and I have to say there are democratic favours, uh, there are democratic, a democratic light shining through. Germany was an authoritarian state in 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 her past. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we are we aren't that anymore and uh, the same
0: I don't think, you're creating an unfair distinction between authoritarianism and over bureaucracy, there can be some sort of non-authoritarian state that doesn't have Mm -hmm. paralyzed bureaucracy preventing people from I I may not have
1: been clear enough, I think it's my fault, and out of bounds uh, extremely wide-ranging bureaucracy is a field that gives justifications to polit- to politically charged and and empowered people
0: not to do anything mm. and I, to I, push I, it away. I just have to add a verbal footnote here to the, the state bureaucracies that fund the Transatlanticist podcast. We're not talking about you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there would be no understanding of uh, criticism. Bureaucracy is never... It can never be linked to an individual. It's a process. It's a process of unclear responsibility, of unclear pathways towards arriving at a certain goal. Uh, If all this has to be verified, you can make rules so complicated that you will never move out. I mean, if you go from A to B, you have to leave your your home, you have to, to walk, and you finally will arrive somewhere. But if you double-check, triple-check and quadruple-check it all beforehand, in the end you might remain at home. And you say, well, it's all still undergoing scrutiny. And you can have that for years. Bureaucracy carried to the extreme replaces quick decision-making, which, one has to add, for a politician may be dangerous. People like endless discussions. We've had, uh, many, many years ago, many years of a permanent discussion of how to reform our orthography, which is very complicated. Uh, You're not a native speaker of German, but you will know. I mean, writing German with capital and small letters is very difficult. So that was about to be reformed. In the end, it became more complicated after years of discussion. Uh, and, And very few Germans understood what it was all about. But that is a typical thing where...
0: uh, France also has some sort of committees that protect their written language. The French
1: bureaucracy is of a different nature because, of course, there is a different history. History of a centralized state like France where ruled out in Germany for good reason Mm -hmm. after two historic catastrophes.
0: Yeah, and that's the other thing we always forget. It's almost impossible to talk about any country within the EU in properly comparative ways because their histories are so radically different. So, But, that, but anyway, I, I'd love to carry on with a, yeah. uh, a lengthy rant on different types of annoying bureaucrats and how they are similar and different. But I just want to sum sum up this section by just thinking about a question that I had written down which is this, and we covered some of these, but I just want to kind of summarize or conclude each of these. The question was this. What are the political, industrial, bureaucratic, and social hurdles preventing the vaccine rollout from succeeding? The political hurdles we've discussed. Namely, we have a number of different EU countries. It's hard to get them all on board going in the same direction. The system isn't designed politically for rapid decision-making. The same goes with the bureaucratic issues. It's just a very large battleship to move, or we might say it is. It is difficult to navigate the cargo ship in the Suez Canal. Mm -hmm. What was it called? The Ever Given. The Ever Given. Yeah. The Ever Given. Industrial hurdles, are there any industrial hurdles to this? Oh, yes. Well, you just discussed the the fact that, obviously, with the global supply chain, it's hard to get everything you need to produce the vaccine, as it were, all within the EU. And we haven't discussed this final point, and I'll let you just close this section on this. What are the social obstacles? And here, I'm just talking about people refusing to get the vaccine, even if it were available. Mm -hmm.
1: Well this is a clear um, repercussion and EU societies again would react totally different i have um, I've just been talking the other day with Hungary where people are lining up for 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 vaccinations they would do that here in Germany but certain numbers would not they would refuse it because the, the movement and that is very close to the irrational movement of the big lie, or whatever you call it, in America, the, these people wishing to to occupy the the uh, the seat of parliament. This is a movement that is anti big government, and that is a, a new idea. It it was there, it used to be there years ago, but very very in a very modest form. You wouldn't really take take note of, but that has grown. So last Saturday, we had many thousands of people denying COVID, belittling its effects on society, calling to question scientific data without any foundation or without any evidence. But that is now a new firm belief. And it's it's an ideology. And parts of these groups are very similar to what you have in America. To name a few, it's QAnon, uh, that's spreading out here, but not to the uh, to, not to the uh, degree you know it in America. But others call into question this in order to destabilize the form of government and the form of state we have here. So, with all its shortcomings and with all its insufficiencies as to how to to how to 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 to, to run the show in this unexpected and unprepared for moment of crisis, uh, I'm still quite happy and quite uh, hopeful that we will get through, we we, will get over this in the long run without too much damage to our democratic structures. I am opposed to an omnipotent commandeering state uh, telling people what to do now and when and how with both vaccinations and saving the environment and whatever. But I'm also against a destabilization of democratic practices and hurdles. Having a reduced power of central government in Germany, I still consider in the limelight of history as an achievement rather than uh, a failure.
0: And I would agree with all of that, except... When it comes to public health and a public health emergency, sometimes you got to have more power. And they do have more power. These lockdowns in Germany are, one could argue, drastic overreach of the government, uh, preventing us from our freedom of movement, for example. Well, they are absolutely... And actually, you know what... So we've been hammering all of these COVID points, but our second major subject for today was kind of about freedom of movement, but now we're talking about freedom to go into a shop mm-hmm. or a restaurant, into a bar. So subject two for today was lockdowns versus no lockdowns. And I think as an economist, you're the best person to talk about what, what the facts are. Is it better or worse for for the economy as a whole to shut down... The economy during the pandemic or should we go on the Florida or Swedish model which is everyone should just do whatever they want so what do you think about so the, the economic
1: is, issue? It's very clear, I mean it's, it, it's abysmal nonsense
0: What is, what is abysmal nonsense?
1: <laughs> it's abysmal nonsense to open a few shops for a couple of days in order to close them down for good after, at a high price of, of spreading infections out of control Uh, The idea, of you on one hand have virologist expertise versus economic analysis, to me it doesn't make any sense. The problem we have is the infection. The problem is the consequence the infection has for our society in terms of strain on the healthcare system, that is number one. Because with a collapse of the healthcare system, you wouldn't see any economic recovery for a very, very long period of time. So what we now need is a clear and well-regulated reduction of infections. And at the same time, this should be flanked by an increase of vaccinations. What you do the other way around in America, what you can do is you increase your vaccinations. The lockdown you can't really do because that in your country is as it is in ours, a matter of, a matter of uh, a local government. So what we, you, you will see is a, a, a conflict between these two. And I have Professor Fust, one of the leading German economists, just recently pointed out how important it is now not to modify. We have a little lockdown here and a bit, a little bigger one there. And a fourth type of lockdown we do there, and nobody knows after this what is carried out, what is valid where and that is that is disastrous. It will have no acceptance that will create a chaos and to more infections and so what we need is we have to reduce infections at all costs that is number one, and one is. Number two is the, we increase the, um, the vaccinations because we, we now have at least some hope that a vaccinated person will, will pose no danger for, for his or her environment anymore.
0: And, and that also means then having the shops and places closed down. You have to
1: because that is terrible news for the individual shop owner. I fully understand this. And it is it is uh, almost uh, unbearable to listen to people who do not accept the individual uh, catastrophe that is uh, unfolding due to this. But if we were not to do it, and you will see this in Florida or wherever you know, your, your states open up as if corona had never existed, you will see infection rates mountings and sky high vaccinations or not that that is about to happen and that will put stress again and that in the end might come up as whatever x plus 1 wave mm-hmm. of infection so i think the the lockdown as understood to be the sole instrument to to see a result or to reduce interhuman human contact, to put it mildly, is uh, without any alternative.
0: Having, having spent some time in the U.S., in Florida, which I would call experiencing absolute civil freedom there, it is very frustrating being back in Germany, where despite all of the lockdown measures, it hasn't done anything really to change the, the curve, as it were. When I left for the States, we were in lockdown, and we came back, and we're still in lockdown. And you do wonder, being in Florida, where there is none of this back and forth, you know, what's the point? Well... If, If everything were open still, or not, it seems like the... All we can say about the lockdown in Germany, yes, is it didn't make things worse. But I wonder if it would have been so much worse... Without the lockdown If you get the word out to people That things are still dangerous They will behave in different ways I believe And then the companies don't have to die But this is a philosophical point
1: Um, I don't believe in the overall And uh, uh, general uh, readiness for people To act reasonably
0: Nor do I But I believe in my own ability Yes, you
1: can But you wouldn't go to a stadium in Florida Of
0: course not but, but if some idiots do and want to, that's fine for them.
1: Yeah, it's fine I just for don't, them. And, but but there are
0: people who will not also respond to a lockdown. Well, I think that's the key point. The assumption that, oh, we institute the lockdown here in Germany, and suddenly dumb people will not get infected. I think that's the point that is wrong. They will find a way to get infected no matter what. Because they just will do whatever unsafe behaviors... Out of public view, like all these kids having parties together.
1: Well, you, you see this in Europe when you have a big trial run, that is Madrid. Madrid is almost open because the regional government sh- could also uh, run in, in certain of your states. Uh, they uh, actively uh, juxtapose the uh, central government's rulings on Corona by doing exactly the contrary. Um, within their constitutional powers, of course, yeah. So it's it's you, you cannot do anything. You can't do anything against it. What you see there is now that young French people come over because France is closed. So they now go to Madrid, where you can see people sitting there in the in the old town. Madrid
0: is the West Palm Beach or the Miami. It of,
1: probably of, is, but there are a few Europe. more people there, and a healthcare <laughs> system already in mm-hmm. dire straits. Mm-hmm when you experience lockdown here in Germany, you don't even know because there is no definition for lockdown. The lockdown uh, some five miles from here is different from the lockdown where we sit. This is the problem. The problem is that people are fed up with this now is allowed. This is forbidden. This is allowed. This is forbidden. Now it's allowed again. Then it's forbidden again. Uh, And that doesn't make any sense. Now we have one uh, uh, local Prime Minister of uh, the biggest state, who d- invented um, uh, over the Easter days a new term for lockdown. It's a bridge lockdown. I don't know. if It's a bridge to nowhere, but all that.
0: He's tr- he's trying to create some sort of positive narrative. Indeed, uh, following the rule book of and that politicians, expl- which is to make bad things sound less bad. Indeed, by calling and them that something else. probably explains
1: the chaotic situation and the lack of definitions in this had we had a strict lockdown with schools, kindergartens and whatever, and an obligation for people, anybody who can, to work from home, infection digits might be better now, until we have a general or a broader stream of vaccinations pouring in. But this was impossible because local politicians wished to set themselves apart from what the central government suggested, they have to do it a bit their own way, and they have. They, I think above all, it shouldn't be equal to what the neighbour state does, and and that shows how frail our political system is to these tremendous challenges. We've never had such a challenge before. So I don't take offence and politicians not knowing how to react. I would like to see more of a well-defined, logic-based nature and all virologists and medical experts i've read are still of the opinion that a harsh lockdown in order to reduce transmissions is okay and the the idea that this is crippling the economy is right but if you don't do it, there will there will be nothing left to cripple.
0: Well, I, I think the politicians here need to take a page from the old day day-day Air, the old East German politicians, and they should call this new bridge lockdown something much happier like the... Freedom lockdown is good. Well, no, I was thinking more of like the pro-good health, pro, the pro-good health isolation initiative. Yeah, but, I mean, we are joking about it. But
1: uh, I would like to stress also a rather... <laughs> sometimes rather debatable role of the media the media are focusing on any such words as ridiculous as they may be and as out of all meaning and content devoid of all contents but uh, they 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 put them you can read them at almost any german paper but these Gunther, days.
0: the only way we have to talk about things is with the words we use to talk about them yeah. and that's why Yeah, I mean, sure, the media is probably not being nice, but also, you know, if you call, like in the U.S., the Patriot Act, the Patriot Act, people tend to think it's good because it's called the Patriot Act. So you got to do this. Anyway, okay, enough COVID. I'm sure everyone on the planet has heard enough of our opinions about the coronavirus. So let's talk about a post-coronavirus world. Mm -hmm. And this is actually... extremely important point that politicians do need to get right because there are massive, massive ramifications in every level of society due to the coronavirus. The labor market's changing, small businesses are changing, the cultural sector, the hospitality sector, tourism. There are some major, major, major changes that we're going through now, the world is going to look and is looking a lot different already. So, Gunther, you wanted to focus here on the welfare state, so how are all these economic changes going to affect all of the very generous social services that those of us who live in Europe enjoy?
1: I think it will affect it in many ways, the totality of which are still uh, difficult to describe so just a few sketches the the welfare state including some welfare states concepts that mostly exist on paper in you so in, in reality are less tangible as they may be here is a concept to make democracy more stable to me the the um a welfare, a well-functioning welfare state, is uh, absolutely indispensable for a democratic system. Unless you would like to see different uh, parallel worlds within a given state, uh, levels of poverty you would normally find elsewhere. Uh, so there is a, a highly individual sc- scope of such systems. All. EU member states have such a thing, though with much with great differences in financial capacity, generosity, absence of corruption, or whatever. That was pre-Corona. Now, many of the EU member states already then were heavily indebted. That has worsened to the to the extreme. The the total debt load. That will Corona will leave behind still cannot be fathomed.
0: We talked about certain problem economies pre-pandemic. Italy was always one of your big Spain. concerns. Spain, Portugal, Greece, Greece. So, but a country like Italy, that for example, is well known actually for having quite an excellent healthcare system.
1: Yeah, probably more.
0: Yeah, didn't do so well in the first part of the pandemic.
1: Well the Italian things
0: things are getting worse now. I mean but post pandemic can they retain their not and it's not only a reputation thing, they have to deliver the goods, you know. Well are 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 they going to be able to, for example, invest enough so that if you are an Italian living wherever in Italy, can you expect in five years the same quality of health care you had five years? Previous uh,
1: much depends. They could not just out of their own pocket. I mean, let's face it, the, the debt load of the Italian public and private system, including those of the Italian financial system, is, is so heavy and, and, and used to be so heavy before COVID-19 came uh, that they were depending on uh, artificial uh, access to uh, a capital market, which was the euro mechanism. And that has worsened uh, to an uh, enormous degree. Uh, now the country uh, sees enormous and, and, and ever-widening cleavages between certain regions. Their health care and welfare system is a regionalized one. So what would still, still be acceptable to a German standard in northern Italy, what you find with the same general legislation in a southern Italian environment is totally different. And that will worsen. So, without uh, an additional enormous debt load, you cannot not take. You won't. Be, they won't be able to take it up on the financial market to market conditions. Uh, but they could probably survive by the diverse, many diverse mechanisms the EU has introduced to en- en- enable them to take to take out debts at preferential conditions. Um, the point is for the younger generation employment might stop. It's already a disaster in it.
0: We talked about the youth employment problem. Yeah. several years ago and that show. that will worsen and so many qualified
1: people might leave the country to try to work elsewhere. The idea is they're not out of the woods. They are moving deeper into the woods probably. The same is true for Spain. Uh, Okay, the Spanish economy is largely depending on tourism. Once Corona is defeated, defeated that is no longer poses a threat, justifying limitations of travel and movement, the Spanish tourist industry might recover. The thing is, and that goes to show how bulletproof or crisis-proof an individual enterprise is. Do you have a capital reserve? Will your banks tolerate you not paying uh, the installments regularly for a couple of months? Or do they force you to liquidate? That is the individual questions many will have to face. Uh, A good example is the once almighty uh, French hotel trust Accor that was facing enormous financial difficulties and received hundreds of of millions uh, of direct state loans. From France. From, from the French government. Uh, so that might help to survive. But the, the first hurdle is to overcome the immediate financial uh, consequences. The second will be, will Corona in the long run uh, influence travel patterns of, of customers? Will people travel less? Maybe they have out of money, they have less time, or they've got used to staying at home. Germans are very, used to be very active travellers, mostly to sunny Mediterranean countries, above all Spain. Uh, Italy being too expensive, they go to Spain. Will this continue? Will this reappear on the scene? Or will we see less? Maybe. Air transportation will become much more expensive. Airlines are. In spite of government subsidies, will we continue to fly for a song and a dance? To the southern country on holiday uh, to fill the hotels and holiday apartments whatever infrastructure there is or will this be reduced to a level uh, where flying perhaps is much more expensive and people think twice before they go and take out a third holiday we can't tell now but this is one danger for for tourism if it's high class tourism that will come back right because the crisis has uh, and, and that is one has to stated openly people with a fortune have become richer right and much richer So uh, uh, Venice tourism for the those su- with sufficient funding they will they will re- they will reappear on the scene. that's never been a, a cheap tourism resort cheap in inverted commas, but uh, uh, for mass tourism. Yet we, uh, our tourism in well, is very sh- has a very short,
0: a very time. This is a, actually. An, I'm sorry to ask you if you have a stat in the forefront of your brain. What overall percentage is tourism and hospitality of the EU's GDP? Would you say? If you can, if you can ballpark it, but but so in a country like Cyprus, it must be like. Seventy percent. Spain is probably
1: over, almost close to fifty. And the thing is,
0: it might. So essentially, the with with a huge types difference. of productivity we see in Northern Europe. One can call it a subsidy for the tourism Actually, industry. It in has the southern. regional
1: value. If you go to North German states, you will see they they are the great winners of people no longer traveling abroad for whatever mm-hmm. reasons. Be this. I would like to reduce environmental pollution by flying to wherever, so I stay at home and warm summers in Germany have of course cool, cool, contributed to, the, uh, to this choice. So there it is, but it's a regional category, uh, whereas in countries like Spain, you name Cyprus and Portugal as well, especially certain areas in the South, tourism used to be the big employment-creating machine. It's, it's particularly employment because an investment in a new factory completely uh, uh, um, equipped with modern technology might not give you that much employment at a local basis for people with a, with a limited training. And that's the great problem of these Mediterranean countries that uh, tourism used to give at a regular basis enormous amounts of seasonal but rather predictable income sources employment to people not qualified to to work elsewhere probably will this come back i think much of it depends on will the german industry be characterized or will they decide to go into massive layoffs after the crisis people having less income they will travel less will this continue to at a rather high level if you look at the German uh, DAX, uh, German industry is rather positive. It's the highest point ever in its history now. Um, will Germany be able to export uh, uh, her complicated and expensive technological machinery and equipment the world over? And these people producing them will receive a good income. They will go on holiday. and then Why shouldn't they go to Spain? So it's it, we, we are all depending on each other. If Income, the income situation for the broader members of the public will go down in Germany. Those who used to travel—it's not the extremely poor; they never travel—but okay. no, it's the, it's the lower and middle class and, and upper middle class people. Uh, if this, if their income situation, in the long run, will worsen,
0: they will travel less. Okay, so I think you you put it really well, and you explained how interrelated and how different each. European countries' economy is, but how they are all blended together in, in such good ways. One might say that the German worker for Lufthansa Technik or Siemens mm-hmm. subsidizes the uh, seasonal work of a lovely little village in Spain. Of course. If you look that's, at Majorca… Nice. So, last question on this topic, Gunter, really quickly. Vaccine passports, good idea, bad
1: idea? Um, I think if you connect the state of being fully vaccinated with individual privileges of having a larger amount of freedom of movement, you need a passport because you have to make it foolproof to prove this and this passport has to be, to my, to my reading, in a rather uniform nature because if you have hundreds of versions of this it won't, uh, won't be of any value. Uh, I, I think it's a stimulus, and that is the criticism. The criticism is that's an op- a compulsory vaccination through the back door. I'm not sure whether opening new liberties to a privileged minority, hopefully one's majority, by allowing them to do more because they've been vaccinated, completely vaccinated, Is all that easy with the German constitution? Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, it certainly requires one thing. Infallible evidence that being vaccinated reduces your capacity or limits or puts an end to your capacity to infect others. If this is unclear or or in debate, where's the legitimate? It could not be legitimate.
0: I love your nuanced answer, Gunter. Vaccine passports, though. Good idea or bad idea? Good idea. Good. Me too. I have, just from my background as a social contract thinker, I think that in order to participate in a community, you have to give up certain freedoms, which we do, such as, for example, paying taxes. We have to pay taxes Mm -hmm. to participate in our system and... Maybe if you want to be able to travel to Majorca or Spain or, or Cyprus or wherever, got to show that you're vaccinated too. But we'll be done with that now because we just have three minutes, Gunter. We will do a long episode on the German elections, Never You Fear. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted to end now with a short preview of what the recent regional elections in Baden-Fortenburg and... Uh, Palatinate. And rhineland pfalz or no, just Rheinland-Pfalz just just yeah. and, and Baden-Württemberg, what they tell us about what we can expect in the big elections coming up in September. September?
1: September. Uh, yes. September. Uh, well, to make a long story short, in both states, nothing has changed much. What was picked out by the media was the, 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 the bad performance of the conservative CDU party in both, both states. In in the past, exclusively exclusively run by the CDU, um, it shows two things. A and Rinald uh, the uh, incumbent candidate, uh, uh, Mrs. Dreyer, uh, was well respected and is uh, contrary to the performance of her Social Democratic Party, which is negligible throughout Germany, is still. Uh, could, could, could stage a victory. That is the candidate and not the party. And you see the Greens uh, leading the, the sole state they rule and they govern. Uh, Baden-Württemberg, once a traditionally conservative area, a, a very affluent, very conservative, and quite, uh, quite Catholic. The Greens there with their unbelievably qualified uh, candidate, Kretschmer, an elderly gentleman doing a great job, I have to say. I'm not a Green Party enthusiast this by no means. But he does a great job. He's not an ideologist. He's a trustworthy policy broker, knowing his limits. And he has just cut out all the media debate on the new traffic light coalition by not... Well, I think he wishes, contrary to many in his party, to continue his collaboration, his coalition government with the CDU party for many reasons. One is, in Baden-Württemberg, where most of our top industrial products sold the world over are made, you cannot tell people that having a car is a bad idea and you should do whatever instead. You have to find much... He's a a pragmatist. He's a pragmatist and a very shrewd politician. And the CDU's performed badly because they had a very weak candidate. Uh, It shows you need a strong candidate without a strong candidate. You're done because a party doesn't attract anybody anymore Um, and it shows that premature speculation on changing governments uh, uh, May not be that realistic. I mean so my prognosis is that with the continuation of a green conservative coalition government in Baden-Württemberg uh, this uh, might have helped the CDU in the federal election in September provided they come up with a suitable candidate.
0: I'm a little I, I agree with your assessment, but I'm frightful if the German people or if the German political situation in general goes down the track of having a personality as a leader. It's been
1: the, it's been the case for decades. Please, don't forget, Willy Brandt was the symbol of peace and not conservatism. Helmut Kohl was the the symbol of the reunification from... But did they run
0: that way? Or did did that personality cult, as it were, grow? arise after after their election? To me, when I was very young then, to me, Willy Brandt, not
1: my party, was a person of character because of his absolutely crystal clear and snow-white non-Nazi past. That was still a question in Germany in the mm. 70s and then the late 60s. So then came Mr. Kohl. Herr Kohl was a provincial politician who was not my personal uh, f- favorite candidate. But when the historic window of opportunity opened for the reunification of Germany, with the help of your then president, the, the elder Bush, uh, he, he took he made use of it. And he did it.
0: But that's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, their that, their that, that. their reputations as chancellor were built as they were chancelloring, rather than what we often see in the United States, where you have sort of a already pre-prepared public persona that is being elected.
1: No, Kohl was uh, once prime minister of oh. Rheinland-Pfalz and before he became a federal politician, and he was there. He was. For many, he was too conservative or too provincial, too much of Catholic probably for North Germany. That's, that then still was a bigger question than it's today, but he was clearly not a very august politician, he wasn't flamboyant, he was, but he, he, was, uh, he was a tactician. And Frau Merkel was a, uh, an enormous her, yeah, strategic her,
0: thinker, her or still is reputation. But what was her reputation when she was elected? She, when, first, she was, when she the was first she, time.
1: She's from East Germany, and when she first entered cabinet as a lower ranking cabinet minister, she was considered the little gal
0: hmm.
1: uh, by many, completely underrated. And uh, now she's one of the most prominent and respected politicians of the world over. And she's never been an ideologist, never. Uh, that to me has much merit. Ide- ideologies are, are very dangerous. And there is not, and that to me uh, still is a favor because we see so many scandals in, poli- in, in politics, so many individual misdemeanors, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, and that is destabilizing for democracy. During all her 16 years in office, there wasn't a a shadow of a doubt on Merkel's personal integrity. Contrary to Cole, Cole ended in disaster, Mm -hmm. as we all know. A very, very
0: strange thing. But Merkel Merkel did not. And I think we, we will have to do a show before the elections, and we'll do one afterwards. And when we have a new chancellor to discuss, we can always, and will in fact have a first go at assessing Merkel's 16-year chancellorship. But that that requires its own, I think, its own proper section. But we do have to end it there. Thank you, Gunter Donner. That was a really interesting discussion. You're most welcome. And thank you to everyone who's listened. And we will actually go out here with Gunter playing us the transatlanticist theme on piano. (laughs) So, in addition to Gunter's wonderful knowledge about the EU. He's a great pianist. So thanks for that, Gunther. We'll see you next time.
1: See you. Thanks for having me.
0: just so you know, once again, the views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the guests or the host, not the American Centrum, which does not take any institutional positions on politics or policy. Thanks again for listening.